Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 85, please. The Psalms of David, Psalm 85. It is not unusual for God's children to become spiritually discouraged, spiritually lethargic, spiritually cold. Some of you may be listening to me and say, I've always been that way. Well, you ought to do something about it. That was the lesson that's already been stated today. If the Lord Jesus Christ is half the king I described in his kingdom, is half the kingdom I described, he deserves our whole hearts. He deserves our whole minds, all of our passion. And so you ought to be listening intently and saying, what are, what are the things that the pastor is going to list that I haven't been doing that I should be doing? I want to read Psalm 85. Verses 6 through 8. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we struggle with our bodies of clay and flesh. Our flesh wars against the Spirit so that we cannot do the things that we should. And yet, Heavenly Father, there is every reason in heaven and in earth, for us to be joyful in the Lord. Thou art a great God, worthy of our very best. And Thou hast saved us from our own sins and given us eternal riches, guaranteed forever. We should be the happiest of all people. We should be the most inflamed and zealous of all people. But, O Lord, we struggle with our flesh. We are thankful that the Word of God describes your favorite apostles sleeping, sleeping in your greatest hour of need. And even when you rebuked them, they slept again. We fear that we are much like them, but, O Lord, we do not want to be like them. Help us in this hour, in the few minutes we have, to see in Your Word what we can do ourselves, to turn ourselves unto Thee more perfectly, to awake from our sleep and to arise from the dead. And Heavenly Father, grant us the power that we need to do it and grant us a ministration of Thy Spirit that we will be filled with that joy and peace that comes in believing. Have mercy upon us now. Do not let us hear mere words and leave this place But let us hear and commit ourselves to do. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It is true that you can be spiritually discouraged and not as on fire as you should be. You can look around and see other Christians and say, they're happier about being a Christian than I am. You can remember times in your life where you were happier to be a Christian than you are now. Both of those things should drive you to examine yourself. What is wrong with me? 
Because there's something wrong with you. There's every reason for you to be very happy and zealous in the Lord. And so you need to think about a few things that I'm going to give you, and then we need to make some changes. Let's just consider a few causes and a few cures for being spiritually discouraged. First of all, and it is so simple and so basic, the cause of why you're discouraged. This is one of them. Unconfessed sin is the greatest enemy of Christian joy. Unconfessed sin. You had it expressed to you a few minutes ago by one of your peers, young people. If you are playing with anything behind your parents' back that they haven't approved of, that means you have unconfessed sin in your life, and you will think that these services, the Christian life, reading the Bible, loving Jesus Christ, His kingdom, is all boring. And it isn't boring. It's because you are messed up and twisted because you are playing with sin. And sin ruins your walk with God. We have a Savior. This great King that I preached to you this morning is at our door, at our door, saying to us, if you will let me in, I will sup with you. And you can sup with me. And we will have companionship and friendship the likes of which nothing else in this world can ever give you. Unconfessed sin. Look at Psalm 51 and verse 8. We are going to flip a few times. I'll only be able to use a few of the references, but I hope that you can take home a few points. You know, if you're wise, and when I say unconfessed sin, and you know that you're playing with something in your life, you should confess it this very minute. If you have a little voice saying in you, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go into my room and I'm going to get right with God. I'm going to tell you who's that voice that is. It's the devil himself. He knows that between my final amen and you getting home to your room, he's going to assault you with a hundred different things. You don't need to go home to your room to confess your sins. You can do it in five seconds right while you're looking at me in your heart. If you know that you have unconfessed sin, confess it now. God forgive me. I've been a fool, and I've been playing with such and such. You say, is that all that it takes? That's all that it takes, and don't do it again. Psalm 51 and verse 8. This is David's prayer of confession. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. He had sin in his life, and this is his prayer of confession. This is his prayer of confession after being identified that he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband. This is his prayer. The Lord had messed him up. And the Lord will mess you up so that you don't have joy in your life. You're going through the motions and church is tiring to you. It's your fault, not God's fault. Look at Isaiah 59. He wants to tell you that it's your fault, not his. Isaiah 59. You know a verse that I'm passing over if I regard iniquity in my heart? The Lord will not hear me. If the Lord will not hear you, do you think He's going to fill you with passion for Himself? He's going to ignore you and let you rot on the vine like an unpicked tomato because you want to have unconfessed sin in your life. If I regard iniquity, that means you know it, but you want to keep it. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Isaiah 59, verse 1. Behold, listen to this message. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, 
neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. When the Lord stops smiling towards you so that there isn't that warmth and joy and friendship and fellowship with God, it's not his fault, it's your fault. So the first cause is unconfessed sin. Search your heart, relationships, job, money, time, music, friends, thoughts, words, books, videos, anything that you're doing that you know is wrong. Blow it out of your life. Confess it. And God will give you the joy of your salvation back. Second cause. Worldly inputs. How much is the world getting into your life? Worldly inputs can come from the news. Anything that is not faith-based. The world doesn't do anything faith-based toward us. And so it's all worthless. As far as having a spiritual relationship with the Lord, it's worthless. The world is constantly selling us things, and we call them neutral. When, when, the Lord, when, some, when there's a voice inside of you that says, well, this thing is neutral, so I don't have to care about it. I'm going to tell you who says that to you. It's the devil again. The Lord doesn't say there's anything neutral. Do you know what he says? You're either for me or you're against me. It's either the world or it's me. If you love the world and you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of mine. You cannot love them both. And the world, when you go shopping, all their advertisements, all their mannequins, all the things they offer, that's the world selling you its inputs and telling you that you need those things. The music, the books, the magazines, the television, friends, school, politics, talk shows, anything. That worldly input will break you down because it is not faith-based and lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ and it will weigh you down because it's really at enmity with Him. Though the devil will tell you, uh, this is neutral, it won't matter. This won't hurt you. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 for a couple of verses on this point. Worldly inputs. Now the first one was unconfessed sin. That's where you're doing something you know is wrong. The second one is just too much world. And you might not even be able to put your finger on anything specific about the worldly inputs. You just feel dull. If you're walking with the Lord Jesus Christ and loving Him, to go to Haywood Mall for five minutes and to come back out, you feel polluted and sick and angry. Because it is a cesspool. You say, well, that's too dramatic. Some of you think it's too dramatic. Some of you don't even recognize it. If you're able to watch wickedness on television, if you're able to listen to a talk show about politics that's not faith-based, you should be, you should be reviled by it because they're never addressing God. They don't have any wisdom. Listen, you are no more right if you're on the right or the left when it comes to the things of God. It doesn't really matter. Where is your faith in God? God's in charge of the world. God has said and written the way things should be. And that's where we ought to look for our answers on all questions. And if you're listening to men, it will just pollute your mind. You'll think like a man without a foundation of faith. You may not be able to put your finger on this, but just examine your life. Where do I let the world come in? Because you'll want to push it back out. Ephesians chapter 4, there's a couple warnings here in this chapter. Verse 27, neither give place to the devil. Now, it's 
I believe that that 27th verse is primarily involved in the anger and bitterness of verse 26, and I'm going to mention it again in a few minutes. But what I want right now is don't give place to the devil. There is a being that doesn't want you to be happy in the Lord. He knows if you're happy in the Lord, you're going to be a successful and victorious Christian. If he can break you down, then you will break your friends down in this church, and pretty soon we can have a whole church of carnal people, and no one's really on fire for the Lord. And how do you give place to the devil? You open the door by sin. You give him room into your life by allowing sin or worldly inputs. He is behind the world. He is the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. The things this world has to offer are not neutral. Hollywood is not neutral. They've never done anything neutral. The History Channel isn't neutral. The History Channel is committed to sell the religion of the devil. That's why they view all that history and never acknowledge God. We read some history today from Daniel chapter 2. More history than any program of the History Channel has ever given you. I'm not saying that the History Channel is necessarily wrong. But if you fill yourself with that instead of the Word of God, it'll destroy you. If you watch that and scoff at them and laugh at them, when they try to give their analysis of the history that they've just shown you, that's a different thing. When you tell your family or you tell yourself, the Lord was in charge of that. The, the reason the Americans won the Battle of Midway was not because we had a better military, not because we had better drill sergeants, not because we had better K-rations. It's because God oversaw the affairs of the Battle of Midway. Amen. And you can glorify God even while you're watching their faithless garbage. That's a worldly input. And, you, and if you just fill yourself with the world, the devil is getting a, a crack into your life, even if you can't put a finger on a specific sin because those worldly inputs are not faith-based. Do you know what? In just a few hours, you won't be faith-based. You'll be thinking the American military is something special, and it isn't. The American military during World War II was a joke in comparison to the military that it fought. The German military was far superior Go measure it sometime. But see, none of that matters. There's a God in heaven. Germany needed a whipping, and they got one. They wanted to be textual critics for a few years, and they got pounded for it. And we got whipped ourselves for being so arrogant about things. Look at all that we lost fighting a battle for someone else. None of it matters. If you, every minute that we spend thinking about those, those kind of things, and I've, I've spent time thinking about those things in the past, do you know what it does? It sucks the life out of your soul. Because it's all profitless thinking. There isn't one ounce of value in all that thinking. But there is a whole lot of th- value in looking at Daniel chapter 2. The Lord raises up kings, and He puts down kings. He raises up nations, and He thrashes them. And then we can get excited about God. Oh, we're getting excited about God? That's the whole point of the, per- of the sermon. We're getting excited about God again because we're seeing Him in everything. Oh, I spent too much time on that point. But when you hear the little voice that says, well, this thing is neutral. This is the history channel. It's the devil's channel. And if you're not view- going past his pulpit and getting into the real nuts of the matter that God's in charge, it's going to tear you down. I like history. But I don't spend very much time at that. And when I do, it's all the Lord in charge. See, look, I can only look at World War II one way. 
The stupid Germans wanted to sit in judgment on God, and God just went. That's all there is to World War II. It doesn't matter who fired the first shot or anything about the rest. God gave them over to a devil-possessed man, and then the rest of the world just thrashed them. But it's all based on God because they wanted to defy Him. There's no nation in Europe that hates God more than Germany. That's been known for 200 years. They've sat in judgment of the Most High God. Their philosophers are the rankest pagans and profane men the world has ever seen. There's a, the difference between Germany and what's across the channel is unbelievable. And the little nation across the channel kicked their behinds with a little help. But see, none of it matters. But you know what? All, the reason I said all those things was not to put out personal opinion. The reason I said to those things is, can you get God into everything you watch? When you watch the Discovery Channel and you see something, some witty invention that we have in our country, do you get excited about giving God the glory? Do you say it out loud? Do you think, God, you're so good to us? Do you know how many generations have gone without that thing? Thank you, Lord, for that thing. All of a sudden, you've turned their what you're called, what the devil wants you to think is neutral. You can even make it positive. But if you if you relax, if you relax in this conflict that we have and listen to the Discovery Channel. They're going to exalt the mind of man. And that if we can just all be a little more educated, we'll solve everything. Maybe we can even freeze-dry ourselves and wait till the cure for cancer and then thaw us back. See, most of you are too young to even know that they've already done that. And then we'll thaw people back out, we'll put, bring them back to life and cure their cancer, and they'll live forever. See, if you sit there and listen to that kind of stuff, you're, you're shot. Witty inventions, Proverbs 8.12. Whenever I see a witty invention, I think of Proverbs 8.12. I say, what nation did it come from? If I can look at the nation that it came from and know that that nation feared God, I say that God blessed that nation to come up with that witty invention. If it came from a nation that doesn't fear God, I know that it came from a nation that didn't fear God so that a nation that does fear God could use it. Brother Jeff, are we on track on that one? Thank you for racing back, brother, by flight from Florida. I love you, and so does every other brother in here. And the sisters, and don't get jealous, Rhonda. And we're glad you're here, too. You're a great example. Worldly inputs, they will just weigh you down. What if you you replaced worldly inputs for a day with spiritual inputs? It'll lift you up. It'll change your life. You know, instead of listening to worldly music, even if you think it's neutral, and I haven't drawn a line on music yet, I'm trying not to. But some of you push the, push the edge of the envelope too far. Look at the people that perform it, look at the people that write it, and look at the effect on the people that listen to it. If it's not righteousness, you make the judgment. By their fruits ye shall know them. You make the judgment. I'm trying to avoid that. People, have, I got so many questions about my little list. On Christian liberty, where's music? It's not in either category. Oh, that's right, it's not in either category. I don't know what category to put it in. Because what the next thing I do if I put the word music is, what about my music? And I don't want to deal with your music. I want you to deal with your music with the living God. And you can tell by who writes it, who plays it, and who listens to it. Is there spiritual fruit that comes out of that music? Or is it worldly anarchy? Is it worldly foolishness? That's what I mean by worldly inputs. If you were to replace worldly music with godly music on the way to work, it will change your life. If you'll replace talk radio on the way to work with Alexander Scorby reading you the Bible, it will change your life. 
Is it a sin specifically to listen to talk radio? Not necessarily. But I'm talking about why do you get pulled down so that you're not rejoicing in the Lord? Because you're listening to all that garbage. Replace it with Alexander Scorby. He's going to come along and hit Daniel 2, and you're going to get excited. Look at verse 30, same place. Ephesians 4.30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. So see, in this, in this one passage where Paul's dealing with putting off the works of the old man, putting on the new man, there's two things. You can let the devil in, and you can push, you can crush the Holy Spirit. You can grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your source of joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and hope, and all the good things that make us happy every day are from the Spirit of God. And by playing with sin, you let the devil in who's going to destroy you. He is a destroyer. And by playing with sin, you grieve the Holy Spirit so He will not give you that power in your life. And now you're dragging. That happens, you're dragging through life. All of a sudden, Christianity is boring. You don't care about the people of God. You don't care about the Bible. You don't care about the services. You just survive them. It's your fault, not God's. Because the things done in His temple are glorious when your heart is right. The third point I want to make. The first one was unconfessed sin. The second one is worldly inputs. Think about the worldly inputs. Put in something else. Go to work listening to Scorby. I'll buy it for you. You say you can't afford it? I'll buy it for you. I know brothers that aren't raising their hands right now that when I run out of money, they'll buy the next one. Put the Word of God in your life. You know, as soon as they say lunch break, you run to your vehicle not to listen to Rock 101, My 102.5, or the B. You want to hear Alexander Scorby again for lunch. You want to eat your lunch near your vehicle if you're a construction job. I wonder who I'm thinking about at the moment. Um, if you're on a construction job because you want to hear the Word of God. The third thing is malnutrition. There's uh, Man shall not live by bread alone. Do you need to look at it or do you know it well enough? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If you deprive yourself of the word of God, you're going down. You will, you will just go through the motions. Christianity becomes boring. You must feed on this book every day. That was said to you by a young brother, and it was said to you by an older brother. And it's said to you by a middle brother. You need the word of God every day. Look at Psalm 119. You know there's many verses on this subject. And I hardly... You know why I'm going to turn you? Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You actually need to see it, read it with me, and believe it. 119 and verse 54. Psalm 119 and verse 54. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Now what kind of songs is... David describing here funeral dirges. I mean, what kind of music? What kind of songs? Funeral dirges, where he's so discouraged he feels like dying. Or have these been the songs that have lifted his soul during his pilgrimage? These are good songs. God's precepts. It's a positive statement about songs. But that's not the issue. The issue is the word statutes. Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. What is going to lift you up is the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. Faith means that you can be full of joy. 
Because if you have faith in God, nothing down here matters. Where do you get that faith? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the words of God. And so you need to be in the Bible every day. All of you, all of us, are we reading the Bible every day? Are you reading it with your family? Are you reading it with friends? Are you reading it on your own? Just get that Bible and get into it. You say, but I don't know where to start. Email me. Anyone email me. I'll know who you are. I'll know where you should start. I'll give you some place to start. And it will be exciting. If you will humble yourself and read it with desire, I'll excite you with the Word of God. And it will feed your soul. It won't be long and you'll be like some of the excited people in our congregation. They get that way because they feed on the Word of God. Do you think they go home and read Time and Life magazine all day? Do I need to use names? Or do you know who I'm talking about? Do you think they watch TV all day and that's how they get so excited in the Lord? No, they feed on the Word of God. You're, you're starving yourself to death if you don't give yourself the Word of God. Your soul just starts to, to dry up like a grape turns into a raisin. Every day. It is the sustenance for your life. Man shall not live by bread alone. See, we've got to have bread to keep this thing alive. But we've got to have every word of God to keep this thing alive. Every day. It'll feed your soul. I've been through Daniel 2 so many times. Last night, my children know I didn't want to quit. I wanted to tell them everything I knew about the kingdoms that were there in Daniel chapter 2 because I got so excited about God's working in making that promise and raising up that King Nebuchadnezzar just to put him out to pasture for seven years. I mean, there's exciting things in the Bible. Malnutrition. You're starving yourself to death. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And what's the vision? Is it because we don't have a Benny Hinn among us? Where there is no vision, it's because there's no Bible. It's Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Your friends will take you down. Evil communications corrupt good manners. What kind of people do you hang around with? Where you go to work, who do you talk to and why? What are you talking to them about? They'll tear you down. They'll pull you down. Now, isn't it cool? Isn't this cool that we can hang out like this? Isn't baseball cool? Isn't working cool? Oh, that's a cool outfit. Cool. You're dead. That's why you're so unhappy. You're always going to be unhappy. Because there's nothing cool in this life except the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth of the Gospel. That is the only thing that's truly cool. And I don't speak that disrespectfully or foolishly like this world does in its contemporary Christianity. What I mean by that is the only true joy comes out of the Bible. That passage our brother read, Mr. Baker to you guys, read this, this, morning, this afternoon, Habakkuk chapter 3. Did you see those six descriptions of total economic failure in verse 17? Six descriptive statements of total financial collapse. You are ruined. And yet the next word of the 18th verse is, Yet, in spite of all that, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to be like a hind. A hind is a female deer. Very light of foot. I'm going to be dancing. And I'm going to be on my high places. I'm going to be in the best life I've ever had. I'm going to be enjoying the good things because I'm, I've got the Lord and He's my strength, even though I am financially ruined. Friends will take you down. 
Evil communications, corrupt good manners. Who are your friends? Are they lifting you up or pulling you down? If they're talking about the things of this world, they are pulling you down. Don't let that little voice say to you, well, this person isn't very bad. They don't do heroin. They don't do heroin. They don't snort crack. Or however you take crack. They don't, they don't steal. They haven't killed anybody. They're pretty good. That's the devil talking to you. Because the only friends you really want, if you want to be on fire for the Lord and love Jesus Christ, you want to be around people who love Jesus Christ. Because it will affect you positively like the world affects you negatively. Because there isn't neutral people. You are either the friend of God or you are the friend of the world. There is no one in between. No one. It can't be in between. And you can't serve both. There's even going to be people that say that they're Christians, but when you're around them, they never talk about Jesus Christ. You don't want to be around them either. They will pull you down. Ungodly relationships will mess you up. John the Baptist came along preaching that if to make a people prepared for the Lord, they had to get their relationships right. If your relationship isn't right with every other brother that you know, your father, your mother, your wife, your husband, your children, if your relationship isn't right, it'll eat you up. Because bitterness and strife in your heart is a work of the devil and it leads to confusion and every evil work. If it's just, if it's somebody you know you have a problem with, just forgive them everything. Just forgive them everything and, and clean the slate. Grab the eraser off the shelf there at the bottom like you did in the third grade and erase the whole board. Say, I'm just going to forget everything because I cannot let this relationship or this person keep dragging on my thoughts. I'm just going to erase the whole board. So that you can be clean before the Lord. Because those things will just destroy you. They lead to confusion and every evil work. And worry. Stop worrying. When was the last time your worry solved a problem? Worry has never solved a problem. Ever. It only creates more. And worry means you don't have faith. Just stop worrying and step over the edge of the ship and walk on the water. Do what you're supposed to do. Now, there's six things that I've just given you that are the causes of spiritual discouragement. Unconfessed sin. Worldly inputs. Malnutrition by not reading your Bible every day. Friends that drag you down because they're not spiritually minded themselves. Ungodly relationships where you have bitterness, anger, envy, jealousy, or fighting going on with somebody, even if it's just in your thoughts, get rid of it. And then because you're worrying about something. Now quickly, for some cures, look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32. While you're going there, I'll quote you another psalm. Psalm 139 tells us how to get rid of sin. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And I'll tell you something about the way everlasting. Do you know what Jesus Christ said about it? How much pleasure it has? At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Now, how do you get at the right hand of God to get all those pleasures? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. You've got to get down and beg God, show me, Lord, what you don't approve of in my life. That's Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Here's David doing it after the Lord showed him some things. Verse 3, when I kept silence, he just, he just let his sinning go and didn't say anything to the Lord. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Does he sound like a happy man in verse 3? He is messed up and unhappy. 
For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned to the drought of summer. Selah. He hadn't said a word about confessing his sins to that point. And then we come to verse 5. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. That's how easy it is. For this, for this example of David, for this, the forgiveness of God, for eat, for confessing your sins, for this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. You're going to compass me about with songs of deliverance. You need to examine yourself and look for any area of your life where you're cheating God because that's what pulls you down. That's, this is a cure. Prayer. Psalm 51 and verse 12. Psalm 51. Prayer is the language of your soul to God begging for help. And when you're discouraged, you need to pray for God's help to pull you out of that discouragement. Psalm 51 and verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. That's a prayer. David is addressing these words to God. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I know, I know that Christians are joyful people. In fact, I had that joy. And I've lost it. Restore it to me. So when you know that you're not where you once were, beg God to get it back. If you get rid of the six causes... If you confess your sins and examine yourself and then pray, you are headed in the right direction and God is going to have mercy on you. This should be the priority of our souls in the next 24 hours. What are you going to go home and do today? Whatever it is, it's worthless. Unless it is this. This is more important than anything else you have on the docket. To go and search the Lord. To go, to go and seek the Lord. To, to examine your soul and to search your heart and see if there's any wicked way there. To dive into the Word of God. Go back. Read Daniel 2. Read Mark 1. Read last night's preparatory chapters again. You think they're going to hurt you? You'll get something else out of them. You don't do it. You're just going to, you're going to dry up on the vine. You're going to rot. And the Lord will eventually expose you. And if you didn't read my preparatory email yesterday then go to Luke 13 and find it. Because the Lord doesn't like fruitless trees in His vineyard. He thinks they're ugly, and He wants to know why they're cumbering the ground. He says they're messing up the view in church. I don't like those fruitless trees. He will expose you and ruin you. Cut off the worldly inputs. The Bible says, Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The Bible says, Flee youthful lusts. The Bible says, follow after righteousness. You know, David knew how to encourage himself in the Lord. It was kind of discouraging when he got back to Ziklag and found his whole family missing. All of his stuff, children, wives, the whole works, and then all of his friends wanted to stone him. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. To encourage yourself in the Lord, you need to get aside by yourself. You can't encourage yourself in the Lord while you're watching TV. You can't encourage yourself with the Lord really while you're working. You need to pull aside and go away into a lonely place, and it could be your closet, which is one of the examples the Bible gives. Jesus himself would go apart for a while. 
He had to get away from the pressing crowds because even our Lord could not do everything that He wanted to do with His Father in Heaven while He was healing everyone. You say, I'll bet He was a multitasker. Well, I'll bet He was too. But do you know what He shows us in His Word? He had to get away to go find His Father and and restore and keep. He didn't lose anything, but He wanted to have close fellowship with His Father and He was giving us and His apostles an example of doing that. We're going to get out of here in just a few minutes. You've got the rest of today. We've saved you a couple of hours by having combined services. How about about taking a 10% tithe of a couple of hours? That'd be 12 minutes. 12 minutes on your knees begging God to restore the joy of your salvation and reading His Word. You say, "Will will it work? Well, I don't know if it will work for you praying like that. Because the Bible says if any man asks without faith, don't let that man think that he's going to receive anything of the Lord. I, I tell you on the authority of God's Word, it will absolutely work. And then get into His Word. Pick someone in the church that's spiritually minded and go have supper with them. And plan on reading your Bible again before you go to bed and praying and getting up in the morning and doing it again. If you want the joy of the Lord back in your life. Look at Psalm 1. You had to read it this past week if you're doing the readings. If you're not, you're starving yourself and your family. You're all going to amount to nothing. There are no natural remedies you can take. Psalm 1 and verse 1 tells us that blessed is the man that gets rid of all worldly inputs. Verse 2, blessed is the man that loves the Bible. Verse 3 tells us what happens to him. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow! What a, what a promise! What a promise! And it's so easy to get it. Get away from the world, verse 1. Get into the Word, verse 2. And that's what's going to happen to you in verse 3. And if you're not in verse 3, if you feel like a withered leaf, a fruitless tree, dried up, cold, dull, bored, can't wait for me to say amen, that's because you haven't done verses 1 and 2. Somewhere you're failing. Examine yourself. That's what this little sermon is about. The Bible is your daily sustenance. As newborn babes, as newborn babes, how can we get like a newborn baby? Does the Lord want us like babies? I thought He wanted us like men. Well, in this way, He wants you like a baby. What does a baby have to have after three hours? Milk. Does it let you know it's got to have milk? If you don't give it milk for a little while after it starts letting you know that it wants milk, does it really let you know that it wants milk? As newborn babes, desire this, this desire is not descriptive of newborn babes. This desire is an imperative verb of what we're supposed to do. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. And one of the growths of a Christian life is more joy. This is how we get lifted up, is feeding on the Word of God. As newborn babes, I wonder how far the Lord wants us to take that little comparison. Does that mean we should come out at lunch and read our Bibles? There you are feeding your your body. 
You know what Job said? I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I think we can make that comparison. It's getting back into the Bible. Brethren, we claim to be Bible Christians. We can only be Bible Christians if we know the Bible. Otherwise, we're hypocrites and liars. The Lord will eventually shut us down. The sanctuary. Do you love the church? Psalm 73. Do you love going to church? Is it your highlight of the week? Is your favorite day Sunday? If it's not, you're dead. What are you living for? You're wasting air. What have you accomplished Monday through Saturday? Yes, we've got to do necessary things, but they're all unimportant. Our goal should be preparation and excitement about getting back into the sanctuary. Look at, look at how it's worded in the Bible. Psalm 73, Asaph was David's songwriter and, and, and chorus and orchestra leader, and he got messed up. And so he wrote Psalm 73. He started looking around and seeing all the wicked, looking like they were having a good time in life, and he said it's not worth it trying to be a Christian. And he, he talked that way for 15 verses. Of 16 verses. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It just, he was, he had such a conflict going on inside. One part of him was saying, no, worshiping God and fearing Him is the right way and it's the only way. Another side was saying, look at the world, they're having so much fun though. I think this is all worthless. He was, it was just painful to him. Verse 17. That was Monday through Saturday. He thought that way. Until Sunday came. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. The sanctuary is where God's worshipped. We go to church to get a reminder from God's Word of how we're supposed to be living. And guess what's happening to you right now? You're getting a reminder of how you're supposed to be living. Come back to 63. Psalm 63. Are you trying to tell me that I should believe that church is exciting? You won't have to believe a thing about church being exciting if you ever got excited about the Lord. You would want to be here because you know this is where the Lord is worshipped. This is where the Lord's people are. This is where the Lord's book is. This is where the Holy Spirit is. You want to be here. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. All the TV you listen to watch, all the music you listen to, the magazines and books you read, and the friends you keep company that are outside of these walls, it is a dry and thirsty land because none of those things encourage you to walk with the Lord and to be joyful Christians. Okay? That's the dry and thirsty land. Verse 2. This is what he was desiring. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. I want to get back to church where I can hear another message about God's power and His glory because it is reveals you to me and I love you there and it reunites us again. I hate that dry and thirsty land. I love to get back into the sanctuary. One thing have I desired of the Lord. How many in here have this as their favorite verse, their life verse? One thing have I desired of the Lord. Nobody? Does anybody even know the verse? Psalm 20. That, amen, brother. That's why we're brothers. May the Lord make us better brothers. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And there's a brother making huge changes. Huge changes. 
while you make your little changes to get out of bed before noon on Sunday and make it to church, to be in the sanctuary. These are the rules. This is what the Bible tells us. When you've lost your joy, head for the sanctuary. Godly friends will lift you up. I'm running out of time. You know what, the, you know what David said in Psalm 119.63? I'm a companion of all them that fear thy name and keep thy commandments. He, you say, it doesn't sound very friendly. Oh, David was friendly, but only to a certain kind of person. To those that love the Lord. He wanted to be around those that love the Lord. I am a companion of all them that fear thy name. If you fear the name of God, guess what? David could be your friend. Because he just wanted to be around those that feared God and kept his commandments. Who do you talk to? Who are your friends? You want to pick the very best. And even within a church, you want to pick the very best when you're looking to be lifted up. When you want to go lift someone else up, then there's another category of church member you can go after. But when you want to be lifted up, you need to be around those that love the Lord. They'll lift you up. We had read to us Psalm 34 where it says that when we hear someone making their boast in the Lord, it makes our souls glad. When we hear other people praising the Lord, it lifts us up. That's the kind of people you want to be around. How about music? I read a long, detailed story in 1 Samuel 16 that God left King Saul and God sent an evil spirit to torment that man. Now, I can't give you all the details of this passage and their application, but I'll give you enough for you to make some, for you to do something in your life. The servants of King Saul looked at how discouraged and depressed and angry and bitter he was, and they said, you've got a problem, king. You've got an evil spirit from the Lord. We need to find a man that can play cunningly so that he can get in here and give you some music and he can refresh, I'm, I'm using the words without reading the whole passage, he can refresh your soul. They, they put out, they put a, 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 the recruiters, the recruiters and headhunters in Israel found one and came back and said, we've found the man, the son of Jesse. He's a mighty man of valor. He's got a wonderful spirit. He's very gifted by God. And he's very cunning with the heart. Harp. King Saul said, get him. They brought David into the court of King Saul, and David would play on his harp, and Saul would hear that music, and his spirit would be refreshed, and the evil spirit would leave him for a while. Now, without trying to tell you what kind of music David was playing, but I can tell you what kind of music he wasn't, why don't you go home and see if your music is adaptable to a harp? But that isn't my point. Andrea, you know that only some kind of music is adaptable to a harp. The point is this. Music is powerful. Music is powerful. Every false religion knows that. What did Nebuchadnezzar say? Look at my golden image. When you hear the band, everybody fall down and worship it. Music is powerful. Ever watch what they do at rock concerts? I hope you haven't. I hope you can't tell us what they did at rock concerts. Because music is powerful. But you know what the Bible tells us? We have a music. We're to be singing. And you can, we, have, we have witty inventions God's given us so that you can click a remote control and you can have singing of hint, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs that will refresh your soul. And if you are being oppressed by an evil spirit, 
that evil spirit will leave because you are hearing songs about Jesus Christ. And if you're in agreement with hearing about Jesus Christ, I can tell you one place the devil doesn't want to be that day. He doesn't want to be where you're in agreement with Jesus Christ. I can't tell you all the details of 1 Samuel 16, but it tells me this. Music is powerful. So that when I come to the New Testament, it says, Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So being merry and psalm singing goes together. James 5.13 Therefore, you need music in your life. I'm thankful for the sister that sent me an email. A young sister. One of the people you addressed, Jonathan. Had to clean the house yesterday. So did it to a CD of Jesus Christ exalting music. Got messed up over it. Had to write me. Tell me how messed up they were. That messed me up. I had to call her. Because it messed me up to know that a young person in this church was doing something so good and having the effect that, that it can have on me. Now I had to turn my own off to talk to her on the phone. Because it is a powerful thing. And I'm going to tell you about my life. I'll just, here I go, you know, unbuckle my pants and bear myself. And you know how I mean that I'm going to bear my soul. I can get so wrapped up in the work that I'm supposed to be doing, I forget that I need music in my life. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I'll find out, I'll think to myself, I haven't listened, I haven't listened to any godly music in a long time. And I'll say, how in the world does it happen? It's right there. It's a few feet. It's right here. All I have to do is punch. How can I forget it? Can you think of anyone that helps me forget it? I get so busy. And you know, we're talking about what? What are we talking about? Two seconds? How can you be too busy for two seconds? Because the devil takes it right out of here. He takes it right out so I don't even think about it. And once I get it started, once I get it started... It is sweet nectar to the soul. And the Bible tells me it should be. So, I'm saying one of the cures is godly music. Give thanks. Open that mouth of yours and praise the Lord because thanksgiving will bring a blessing. It'll bless you, it'll bless others, and God will reward you for for giving thanks. Serve other people. You know, when you get discouraged and you're down, you're thinking too much about yourself often. If you get discouraged, go serve somebody else. Bake them a batch of cookies and take cookies to someone and put a verse with it. Do you know who's going to benefit the most from those cookies? The person not eating them, trust me. But you're going to benefit the most because you took them in an act of service. Do I have that in the Bible? Tell me, a young person. Who gets the benefit from, from serving someone else like that? How does it say it in the Bible? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Okay, there we are. The causes? Unconfessed sin. Worldly inputs. Malnutrition because you're not reading God's Word. Friends that don't ever talk about the things of the Lord or anything based in faith. Ungodly relationships because you're mad at somebody. And that just gives place to the devil in your life. And you worry about things. If you're worrying about things, that just tears down your joy in the Lord. The the Lord told you, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and a peace is able to take over you that you can't explain or understand. It passes understanding. Examine yourself and confess your sins. Beg God for it. Tell Him, I need that joy back. I want that joy back. The God of heaven loves you with an everlasting love. 
And to have you say, I want that love more lively in my soul, and I want to be in a more loving relationship with you, I promise you, the Lord will hear that prayer. Cut off the worldly inputs. Read your Bible every day. Now, who is... Read your Bible. Let's go home and read our Bibles. Before you go to bed tonight, read your Bible. When you get out of here, read your Bible. Read your Bible in the morning. Don't wait for your family to do it. Don't wait for family devotions. Read it on your own. It'll feed your soul. It'll make you great. You'll prosper in everything you do. Psalm 1-3 is my proof. Read it. Start today. Love the sanctuary. We're going to leave the sanctuary right now. So we need to put up our guards as we go out of these doors. Make sure you get godly friends and stay around them that will lift your, that will lift your spirit. Get some music. Go home and find the best CD that you've got and put it in and sit down with the words and just bask in it. Delight in it. Love the Lord that's being sung about. Praise Him with music. See if it doesn't lift you. See if it doesn't drive away the evil spirit that's bothering you. Give thanks and serve somebody else today. These are the things that will help you. Soul discouragement. Spiritual discouragement is a common affliction. It's common because we all forget these things. These are all basic. But do you know, it's, maybe you're like me. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not and you're all thinking, what a terrible pastor we have. But if you're like me, then you know that you forget some of these things and you let some of these spiritual habits slip, slip, slip out of your life. And pretty soon there's no music. Pretty soon there's no Bible reading. There's no real prayer. There's not meditating on God's Word. You're not loving coming to church. You don't prepare for it like you used to. Let's make a change. Don't be hearers. Don't sit there and agree with me. Don't believe that what I've said is true. Don't say that you're going to do something about it. Let's make some changes and let's make them today for the Lord's sake. I stand here representing the High King of Heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has done everything for you. What more could you ask for? He wants loving citizens in His kingdom. May Jesus Christ be praised.